This is the Reform Dish Podcast. My name is Kevin, and I'm here with my co-host Chuck, and we're here to talk about the gospel, the Reformed Christian life, and everything in between. And we're back for the launch of season two. We're back, baby, with a new beat. <laughs> it's been a minute, Kevin. Did you uh did you eat Trader Joe's? Like the, the frozen chicken? <laughs> the frozen the frozen orange chicken. You know, honestly, at this point, like I I've gone through pretty much everything at Trader Joe's. I I, I needed I need a I didn't realize you cooked. Like I thought you just did bougie Uber Eats delivery every day. I do both. Um <laughs> but you know, you just I can't eat sweet green every day, you know? Right. Um, listeners, as you can tell, one of us is married and the other of us is, is not. And so, you know, this is a PSA. Chuck is still looking for a wife. Nothing oh has changed gosh. between season oh one my. and two. Okay, cut that. We need to cut that. Anyways, go back <laughs> anyway, to the podcast. Yes, back to the podcast. We, before we get started, um, Chuck, uh, you know, join me in giving a quick word of thanks for all the listeners and supporters. Um, there's been so much support and feedback and a lot of encouragement from season one that we received that we honestly didn't know how the podcast was going to go when we first started, but it's been really encouraging to hear all the positive feedback from you all. So um, with that said, you know, Chuck and I have been working really hard on creating an even better season two. We're sorry for the delay. We were supposed to launch like three months ago, Uh, but COVID-19 happened, right? And uh, we have a great episode lineup that was supposed to happen. Now we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it remotely. Um, we, we do have some articles coming out. Uh, a lot of things have been delayed, but uh, we're working hard. We're here for you. And uh, Chuck, yeah, anything mean, else? Yeah, we're, no, no, no. We're trying to make it work. We're actually recording uh, FaceTime right now. Uh, so, you know, just trying to, trying to hashtag stay home and, and still pump out that uh, Christian content. That um, but, <laughs> but it's honestly, it's been, it's been hard. It's been a difficult time for us. And I think, you know, a couple of things that has happened, like I started a new job. Um, Kevin's been super busy with this sort of massive project at work. And, and to top it off, like, I mean, our church hasn't been able to gather for over a month now. Um, yeah. and, and plus actually we're both extroverts. So this whole like social distancing thing has been killing us inside um, but overall, I mean, if the worst is really staying home, uh, and we're both employed, I mean, I'll, I'll take that any day. Um, I know yeah. there's a lot of people out there that are, that are struggling. So, um, you know, uh, just prayers to them. Yeah. Um, it's, a, so, it's a huge blessing. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's the update. Um, so let's just go back to the podcast for today. And, uh, and so Kevin, what, what's the topic? What are we talking about today? So we're going to kick off season two with a really appropriate topic during this time. Uh, we're going to talk about something core to Christianity. Um, and particularly, it's, it's a topic of much comfort, especially during difficult times. So today, we're going to talk about the doctrine of justification. Explain to us what justification is and go ahead and define the term while you're at it. Okay, so justification is a legal forensic term, according to the Bible. Right, it's it's an act of God. So when we talk about being justified before God, we're talking about being declared righteous, like mm-hmm. in a in a court of law. It's like a it's a trial setting. So it doesn't describe the way that God inwardly renews or changes a person. That's sanctification, right? That's a that's a progressive thing that's happening. Rather, when we talk about justification in theological terms, it's a declaration. It's news that God pardons the sinner from his sins, and makes the sinner acceptable in God's sight. So you're giving 
you know, you're, you're giving that explanation, sort of the image of, of a courtroom, uh, declaring someone righteous. Tell me what's really going on there. Kind of expand that a little bit. So I guess in terms of, of a courtroom example, right? When someone is in a courtroom or a trial setting, let's say you're a guilty person who is in trial. Mm-hmm. You are found guilty of, you know, murder or robbery, and you come before a judge who declares you guilty of those sins. Now, if, if we're talking about this idea of justification uh, in a Christian setting, we're talking about the idea that though you are still guilty of those wrongdoings, like, you know, murder or mm-hmm. robbery or lying, uh, suddenly you are declared righteous, not because the judge is, is unjust, but the judge has decided suddenly to come down from the court and say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay for, for this guy's wrongdoings. Let me go to jail. Let me take the, the punishment that he deserves in his place. If he deserves to go uh, to, on death row to, to die, I will do it for him on his behalf. That is kind of the imagery that we're imagining in justification. And, 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 and sort of, and to explain it back into it, so it's done through the life and death of, of his son, right? That, that God justifies sinners, even though we don't deserve it. And because we don't deserve it, it's, it's, it's justified on this basis of uh, the obedience and death of his son, Jesus Christ. So texts like Romans 5, 18 to 19, Galatians 3, 13. I mean, there's more like Ephesians 1, 17. Like a lot of these verses that we find in the New Testament it explains to us that, that those are the grounds of, of my confidence and your confidence of c- coming before God, because it tells me that Christ's perfect obedience and sacrifice on the cross have fully atoned for my sins. And so, and in fact, these things are the only ground upon which God declares sinners righteous. And, you know, so the means by which a sinner is justified is, is not through cleaning up our lives first, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, or doing good things, right? Like going to church consistently or even good things like taking sacraments, like getting baptized or the Lord's Supper. So in this, in this case, you said it before, the only ground upon which we are justified uh, is by faith and faith alone. That's why, you know, the reformers talk about sola fide, yeah. uh, faith alone. When, when people confess and trust in Christ, that's all it takes. That's all it takes to be justified. So it's a free gift of God to save sinners. Uh, we read about in Romans three twenty four. No, that's good. I mean, and I find this to be so actually an amazing sort of piece of theology for us to think through right now, especially, you know, COVID-19 where, you know, like I can't go to church. So if my, if my sort of you know, justification was based on good works, which is going to church, going to Bible study, sort of the, the attendance and participation of all that goes through, it's sort of outside of works. I should be fretting right now, uh, completely anxious and worried that, oh my gosh, you know what, am I going to lose my righteousness? Am I somehow sort of going to lose my justification and the standing of declaration of being right? Um, you know, and because and, and especially in a circumstance like this where, where, where Kevin, you and I can't do anything. And yeah. so it's just another reminder, and it's honestly, in some ways, it's been really encouraging for me uh, to know that, you know, thank God I'm not justified uh, because of any of the good that I've done uh, or doing or, or will ever do. It's the fact that my faith in God, in Christ, is really the only instrument, the, the only conduit of justification. So sinners can receive this righteousness of Jesus Christ 
offered in, in the gospel through faith, right? Yeah, just like the the robber, you know, beside Christ mm-hmm. um, while he was crucified, he d- he did no good thing, but um, you know, Jesus said he would see him in paradise um, after that day. And so, uh, Charles, this is really important for us to get. We, we can't get this wrong, right? The gospel means good news. So by its nature, that means it's a declaration, right? It's a declaration about the fact that people like you and me are evil. We're sinful at our core. And, and this is something we call total depravity, right? So it doesn't mean that we're as bad as we can be, that we are all mini Adolf Hitlers. No, it, it just means that sin, uh, has tainted every aspect of our lives. So it's it's like a poison that's kind of spread throughout our body and our soul. So uh, in that sense, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of like a diagnosis, right? But it's also the gospel is also a declaration that Jesus, the Son of God, has lived again, like you said, that the perfect life that you and I could not live. Uh, and so he's taken on that punishment for us on the cross. And then on the flip side, bestowed upon us kind of the heavenly inheritance of righteousness, uh, of his sonship. And so this, this good news is not, uh, not just, you know, it doesn't end on the fact that we're sinful, right? It, it's good news because Christ has gloriously been resurrected from the dead and taken on us our punishment and given us his righteousness. Mm-hmm. He was raised three days later from the dead as this miraculous sign that he was the Messiah, that God had accepted the sacrifice, and, and he was the Son of God. Amen. Amen. So that's the gospel. So when we, when, we, when we share the good news, we often have to sort of emphasize that it is a finished work, and all you have to do is, is believe in this good news. And oftentimes, I think we can get tempted to feel like, you know, we need to do other things, or we often say, hey, like, live out the gospel. Uh, yes, you do, but not in the sense of, like, in a salvific sense, Right? There's nothing to be lived out because it's, it's already lived out and it's already been accomplished by, uh, by Jesus. Um, Mike Horton you know, has tons of sort of good articles on this, but I, I'm going to steal a quote from him. He says that justification is not a process of God's grace infused into our hearts and us somehow cooperating with that grace to the extent that we can sow, that we grow by his grace and our holiness. So he's just, again, saying it's, it's not a process. It's not something that we somehow cooperate with to, to bring that into fruition. It, it is something that is just given to us. It is, it is a complete work. So the, I think the, the right way to think about this is that we respond to the gospel um, after we believe in the gospel for salvation. Right, we, 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 I just want to make sure that we never create sort of this good news for ourselves um, and, and, and quote-unquote live it out in that sense. The only thing we can do is to have faith in Jesus who lived it out perfectly. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, we, and you sort of stake our entire lives upon it. Yeah, and so I think sometimes, yeah, it, that's exactly right, Charlie. Sometimes that's why I have such trouble uh, when people, I, and I get what they mean when they say this, but when they say like live out the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. At the most basic sense, you can't live out the gospel. Christ has lived it out. Uh, And so when we forget as Christians that it's only God who's working for us and not the other way around, uh, I'm afraid, Chuck, that like so many of us in evangelical America have forsaken the gospel message, right? That is legalism at its core. Uh, It's this bastardized American (laughs) human human religion. It, it, it has this semblance, right, of Christianity. It's like uh, Christian Smith calls it moralistic therapeutic deism. Hmm. Uh, it's a counterfeit religion 
that makes you kind of feel good because you feel relatively more righteous than other, you know, less well-to-do, un, you know, lower middle, lower middle class people in the world. Uh, and it's this counterfeit religion. It, it steals glory from God ultimately at the end. Okay, so I just want to just quickly stop here. There's been a brother that um, you and I love and uh, are dearly close with who's been just silently sitting ne- next to me. Um, <laughs> we're going to sort of insert him here, and his name is Cornell Bang. So, Cornell, go speak close. To, come to the mic. Okay, and then go ahead and speak. Just go ahead and just quickly introduce yourself. Hey, uh, hey everyone. Uh, my name is Cornell, as Charles mentioned. Um, hey, Kevin, uh, it's a privilege to be on this podcast. Uh, I say privilege with a caveat, even though you guys don't have like a million subscribers, but it's still, <laughs> it's still great being here with you guys. Um, why are Cornell, you here right now? Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, why <laughs> are you here right now? Yeah. So, um, you know, just wanted to share a briefly. First a bit. Off, first off, okay. Stop being formal. Like you can just, just chill out for a bit. Just talk as you are. So why are you here? I feel constantly berated. This is our relationship. Yeah. So (laughs) I'm here because I, as you guys are talking about justification, this was something that I wrestled with for a very long time and it significantly impacted my Christian faith and how I lived out my Christian faith because I didn't fully understand it. Mm -hmm. And I bore a lot of bad fruit from it. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I'm kind of here as a, a negative, but now positive example about how crucial and important it is to get this doctrine right. And not only to understand it, but to believe it. So have you gotten it right? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess it depends on what you mean by right. So just to dive in, um, I definitely had a journey. So just to give you guys a brief update on my kind of you my testimony. Faith journey. This, my faith journey, yes. Uh-huh. He was uh, lost. You could <laughs> put it that lost. way. Well, but, we, but, but, but then found. Thank Amen. you. I figured you'd Amen. say that. So, uh, so just to, just to kind of give you guys a really short overview of my initial testimony, I was not a Christian, became a seeker in college. Um, God revealed himself to me and kind of drew me to him around my freshman year. You know, older Christian brothers like yourselves befriended me. Um, yeah, I began to attend Bible studies for the first time and I felt compelled by the beauty of the word, you know, specifically, I think as I was reading the Bible for the first time, I, I was shocked at how Christianity could thoroughly and perfectly explain man's, you know, depraved condition, kind of like you mentioned earlier, Kevin, and yet how it also alone supplies, you know, the glorious solution, and that's through the gospel. Um, I also saw people, you know, who followed God, that they were, they were very different. They were marked by holiness, like my college pastor, um, him and his wife sacrificed so much of their time and energy just by pouring into students. Um, I saw that, that, you know, how other Christians on campus, you know, they're marked by holiness and love that I had never really seen on display before. So people were different. You you realize, hey, you know what? Christians are living a different life. They seem to be believing something and affecting the way they live. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And, Mm. you know, I'm still very new to this at this point. It's my freshman year. I think my sophomore year, uh, I get baptized. Um, So you stop partying. uh, Yes. Thank you for that. Um, A lot of frat parties. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So now I'm going to pause here. Um, You know, you guys have clearly asked me to share about how justification has played a role. Yes, yes. In my testimony. And it's interesting because, you know, you would think as a new Christian in college, uh, I would have believed in what you guys already mentioned earlier a few minutes ago that, you know, justification is a core biblical tenet of Christianity. But yeah, I, I, I don't think I believed it or understood it. What I did believe it to be, it was, I thought a justification was a process. Um, I kind of confused it with sanctification, which is a process. Justification is not a process. Um, you know, mm. I may not have verbalized that or said that, Hey, I mm. believe justification is a process, but I lived 
as if Christ died for me, but it's actually through the Holy Spirit in me and sanctifying me that I have to really prove that I am a Christian over time. Does that make wow. sense? So you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're believing justification equals sanctification? Sort of, yeah, yeah. It wasn't super clear like that, but I think that's how I was living it out and it was confusing. So I guess the constant thing on my mind was it's only once I've borne enough fruit that I can confidently uh. say, now I'm truly saved or truly a believer. But then, you know, you, that, that gets tricky because then you're like, how much fruit do I need to bear? What is the yeah. metric? What right. is the standard? Right. Who yeah. determines it? Like, can I, can I like, oh, actually, yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, and, I mean, so, you would deny works righteousness at its, uh, on the surface, right, Cornell? Right? Uh, your understanding of the gospel would have said you're not saved by works. Yeah. And that was always tricky. I always felt confronted by that. So verbally, I would, I would tell you guys, hey, I don't believe that. But my life kind of displayed that sort of confusion. Um, mm. So yeah. if we cornered you and said, hey, are you saved by works? You're going to say no, but, but, you're, but what you're actually doing was you're, you're, kind of, you're kind of thinking and living as if you are saved by works. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I think I began to grow mm. in some ways, you know, during my time as a very new Christian. But, you know, this deficient understanding of the gospel, um, you know, just became so burdensome for me. And so to answer your question, yeah, Chuck, um, you know, it seemed like it was a constant push to maintain a standard that I could never really live up to. Uh, basically, it was a perpetual kind of insecurity and fatigue, you know. Um, well, and that's I'm, a scary I'm, part. You know, I'm kind of interested, Cornell. I want to dig in a little more. What, if, I, if I had asked you in college what your definition of the gospel had been, you know, what, how would you have responded? Yeah, um, you know, I think I would have given you parts of the gospel. You know, for sure, I would have said Christ died for my sins. Um, and therefore I'm called to live a holy life. I think the overemphasis was on what I need to do, how I need mm-hmm. to live this way. I need to produce this fruit. I need to be holy, which is all true. But as you guys mentioned earlier, the gospel is, is a, it's good news. It has, it's been done. It's been completed. It's been given to me. Um, but contrary from that, you know, I, I there was this constant internal voice of you got to change. You got to be holy. But, you know, through that, you know, the question was, then what's your source of your motivation? Um, so I, I wonder how that, how that affected whether or not you felt you were saved. Yeah. And, and that's exactly why I constantly felt this fatigue. Because you don't feel like, oh, am I saved or not? I'm questioning. Yeah. So, you know, so here, here's, here's a uh, kind of sort of an image. Like, you know, you guys are on totally different personality spectrums for me. You guys we're are the great. type of... We're great. You're, you're bad. Over. Uh, we're going to edit that part out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you guys are kind of the two, you know, out of my friends, you guys are very charismatic and you guys kind of, you know, you guys are kind of cocky and you guys are strong and strong <laughs> oh, wow, worlds. But you guys are successful. You guys get things done. You guys kind of crank it out. But for me, I'm on the uh, other spectrum, you know, and I found that having such a heavy burden of having to prove that I am a Christian just brought in despair. It brought in tiredness and fatigue. And that's why I think many people felt like I was just not a happy Christian. And I think that was really true. Mm. Um, But, you know, just to give you guys three really brief parts, um, my journey to believing in justification changed as a result of, you know, kind of meditating on adoption um, the doctrine of doctrine of adoption, what real change is and what God-centered theology is. So just really quickly, um, yeah, adoption, you know, meditating on that doctrine was so helpful because, you know, I know every analogy is limited in its scope, 
But as I reflected on, you know, what it means to be a child of God through adoption, like, you know, texts like Galatians 4, 5, Romans 8, 14 to 15, it dawned on me that, you know, once you're part of the family, you're part of the family. Um, you know, there isn't like a testing or like a waiting period. So that was huge. Um, yeah, I, you know, I, I think J.I. Packer says it really well when he says, you know, adoption is the highest privilege. It's even higher than justification. So um, how, did, how did you wait, Cornell? So stop right there. How did you come to that conclusion of adoption? What, what pushed you over that edge? Was it just reflecting on scripture more? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you're spending time around you godly brothers, um, you know, just being at a good church, uh, reading the Bible, because the Bible talks a lot about, you know, being a son. Um, I thought about like, you know, the imagery of, you know, being a family. I thought about my own family. Did I ever have to work to be part of my own family? No. <laughs> Um, yeah, okay. I thought you were going to say, it. I thought you were going to say yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you guys are, you guys are so corny. Um, yeah. And you know, you know, I think, you know, our pastor, Mark Dever says it well, you know, justification isn't just legal language though. It is, it's also relational. It, you know, it says, you know, your sins have been forgiven. You can go free, but you can also come like you're welcome. Mm. Yeah. And mm. that was, that was big for me. Yeah. Good. Anything else? Cornell, didn't you have two more parts? <laughs> well, you know, you guys kind of like I mean, I, I thought you were going to do a survey. Like, <laughs> I just didn't know. Like, do we let that go or do we just like... Yeah, Chuck and I started... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll say like one last thing. Um, it made me realize like when you believe justification is equal to sanctification or you believe in some sort of like pseudo justification, you're really promoting a like a man-centered theology. Um, it depends on you. You ultimately will contribute to it. Uh, who will get the glory? And, you know, when you do that, you kind of become, you know, that, uh, that older brother and the prodigal son, mm. you, you don't view God in a, in, in, you don't view him as a gracious God who's given you a gift. You, you kind of threaten other people, you get upset, you compare. And I saw this in my own life and it was just detrimental, but, you know, understanding the gospel really brought, relief, reassurance. It made me realize, wow, God is truly beautiful and glorious. Like this doctrine is truly exalting him. So, yeah. That's great. Cornell, I'm, I'm going to stop you right there. We're going to talk a little bit more about application of the gospel in our lives a little more at the end. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to talk again, but uh, Cornell, thank you for that. It's a beautiful testimony and it's, it's really great to see someone who's kind of come over to the other side, who've it feels like, um, you know, in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, he, he goes through the slough of mm. despair and he has his burden on his back uh, that he can't get rid of. And one day he, he's through the, the, the preaching um, of, of someone he, he meets on the road. He, the burden off his back is released through that gospel message. And it's kind of like the story that you're talking about, right? Uh, and we... We need to remember that justification really, you can't fake it till you make it, right? Trying really hard to be a good person and, and bear fruit and, and doing good works cannot save you. In fact, it will do the other thing. It will drag you down like that burden on your back. It will drag you down to hell. Uh, and so, Charles, uh, I know we've been talking about justification I surely there's people who've been listening in uh, to this episode, and and they're thinking at this point now, like, why do they keep talking about the gospel? Why do they keep talking about justification? Aren't these really basic topics that you know really only matter when you first become a Christian? 
No, it's it's something that I think we need to talk about again and again. And and the the first sort of realization that that Cornell had, um, you know, about about this maybe you know five six years ago, uh, is something that Cornell and and any everyone honestly should be thinking about um, on a day to day basis, weekly basis, because. I think really for me, it just boils down to two things. Number one, it's it's one of the very foundation sort of doctrine, essential doctrines on which Christianity is built on. And you get even a slightly wrong deviation, a slight wrong understanding of justification, you're going to get a different religion. Mm. Number two, it's despite being this core, a lot of people just plainly get it wrong, either from, you know, unhelpful teachers or, you know, or just, you know, they've grown up in a church culture where a lot of these things have been assumed and their pastors have neglected talking about this, yeah. uh, you know, and, 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 you know, and I think Cornell in that case, it kind of, kind of falls into that bucket, which, you know, uh, sadly we see a lot of, of friends and even family and just acquaintances that uh, are, are there and are just not understanding it correctly. Yeah, you're exactly right. Justification is at the center of Christianity and the gospel message. It's it's not a moralistic clean up your life teaching, and it's not Christianity if if that's what you're hearing, mm-hmm. uh, which is why you know the Roman Catholic Church has often gone this wrong, and and why the Protestant Church has uh, traditionally denied that they are a a correct church, that they are a church that you sh- a Christian should be able to go to. Um, Michael Reeves has this extremely helpful quote that I've I've kind of chewed on. Um, he says, Christianity is not primarily about lifestyle change. It's about knowing God. Hmm. To know and grow to enjoy Him is what we are saved for. Hmm. It's so good. And, and it's, it's, it's hard. And this is something we need to think about a lot because I think as, as, as sinners, we, we naturally d- drift towards legalism. It's kind of the easy way out. It, it feels great to... To, to work for something and get it and work off of a little bit of a checklist. Um, and in fact, that's just not how Christianity works. Um, and, you know, and I think even for folks that, like, even for preaching, uh, sometimes we, we could also not emphasize this enough. You know, oftentimes yeah. we gravitate towards more of this command of, hey, do this or don't do this. And, and those are all great. And I think, you know, you want to be direct in the way you preach to your congregation. But I think if, if the core of, of your your content of your sermon, which is is not built on this 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 gospel, this good news of being justified by faith alone, it's something to think about. Yeah, right. Uh, and I, you know, it's funny. I find myself when I'm when I, I don't have kids yet, but when I find myself doing childcare, I prim- mm-hmm. primarily find myself like quickly correcting their behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have but to easy catch thing myself. to do. That's the easiest thing yeah. to do, right? Uh, but what we get then, you know, I'm sure parents struggle with this all the time is what they get is like kind of well-behaved little sinners, mm. right? They never really get to the heart of it. And so, so you know, repressed, to, if repressed we get this, little kids, <laughs> repressed little kids in the church who grow up yeah. and then, you know, go on to become prodigals because they feel repressed. They've never had their hearts changed by the gospel. Mm. Uh, and so, you know, we get this wrong. We preach like that to our congregation, let's say we're pastors, uh, we need to realize eternity is on the line. You could have the most well-behaved, godly-ish congregation in the world, uh, but if they're not truly saved, if they don't have that heart surgery done with them uh, through the good news of the gospel without justification, oh man, they, there's no salvation. Hmm. Um, so instead, you're going to get Christians, quote unquote, who will look no different from relatively upright, moral people of this world, 
and they're going to be damned by their legalism and their moralism. Uh, they trusted in themselves for their justification rather than looking at Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, Cornell's, so, Cornell's still in the room and he's nodding to you. So. He's nodding his head. I think he's you're like, saying the right brother. things. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that affirmation. Amen. But that, that is what the Bible is teaching us, right? If, if we get justification wrong, like, you know, Roman Catholics do, we mentioned them, uh, we get this obsession with bearing fruit. Uh, example, Cornell. Uh, and even ourselves, right, Chuck, <laughs> in college. That's right. Yeah, we try to prove ourselves to others and to God that we've been justified. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's because of the gospel, Apostle Paul tells us um, that we're declared righteous and then we bear fruit in, in gratitude. So, right? give me a, so give me a nice little Bible verse that um, we can hold on to. Romans 5, 18 through 19. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners... So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. I mean, that's pretty clear. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, Romans is so good um, to chew on, especially when you kind of want to, you know, uh, think about this clearly. Paul is so clear over and over and chapter and over and just kind of builds on that. I mean, if you just keep going, you, you read uh, Romans 5, which is uh, that famous verse. But if you keep going, you see verses from Romans 8, 1 through 4. He says, hey, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For what God has done in the law, what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be filled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So we cannot do it. You know, we cannot make ourselves right before God. We cannot enter into the kingdom of God through our own flesh. And therefore we need this alien righteousness that is not our own. Amen. And uh, that's just what makes the gospel so beautiful. Uh, it's, that's why it's such good news. Uh, it's, it's the great exchange. Um, so, you, you know, you ask any pastor or a theologian or any Christian what the greatest doctrine of the Bible is, you know, they're going to say this is it. Um, by faith in Christ, our sins are put upon Christ and he takes our punishment we deserve on that cross and on top of that, if, if that wasn't enough, Christ's righteousness, you know, it's, it's given, imputed, accounted to us, to those who believe and have faith in him. Uh, Christ takes our rags and gives us his riches. Um, just want to make it and end with a sort of few, a few, few practical things. Um, and I just want to answer the sort of the you know question you know how does this glorious this beautiful news uh, affect the way that Christians live you know how should this affect the way they live out their lives and I want to end with these two thoughts um, first thought that you can have complete assurance you know you don't have to wonder whether or not you're saved or not um, and when you have complete assurance of your faith this will cause you to live differently. Um, you will live a life of joy and, and, and feel the security that is based on Christ's payment on the cross, even in the midst of a hard time like this. Um, you know, and, and because you also have complete assurance, you, have this, you, you don't have to fear. Uh, you don't have to be yeah. anxious about, hey, you know what, like, am I good enough? Am I good enough? So that's, that's one thought. 
The second yeah. thought is that because, you know, uh, you have been saved, you can also forgive others and you could love them. Uh, you know, God did this for you in Christ uh, because he did that for you. You can share this eternally life, change a good news with others. Um, and perhaps maybe that's one thing, you know, uh, we can do, uh, Kevin, that you and I and Cornell, anyone hearing this podcast can do this upcoming week uh, with the family and friends and neighbors over a Zoom meeting or as your social distance walking, um, yeah. you know? So, so yeah, I mean, I just want to kind of end with those two. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Cornell, anything that has impacted you in the way that you've, the way that gospel has changed you once you've really understood justification? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you guys kind of hit it on the head. Um, I think a big thing for me was meditating on the order of things, uh, which once again, you guys have been talking about. But, you know, like throughout the Bible, it's always saying, you know, this is what God has done first. And so therefore do this. So like, where's your motivation? Where's your source? Where's your help coming from? Um, and, when, and when you realize that it all comes from God and he's first given it to you, it's just so relieving. Okay. Mm. That's great. Uh, and it's, you know, I, I have to note that you've also become much happier as a person, right? The burden's kind of fallen off your back. Yeah, you're happy, Cornell, now. I think it's also because I'm married, but yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Marriage also helps. And thank you, brothers. Thank you all so much for listening to the Reform Dish podcast. Uh, we're so excited to be back and recording this new season. Uh, we're working on really good content for everyone to be listening to during this time of, of COVID-19. Uh, we're praying for the restoration of our world during this time of, of the pandemic. Uh, but this also brings us to the point that our hope is not ultimately in this world. It's in the one to come, uh, the one that was bought for us through the blood of Christ and the justification that he gave to us. See you all next week on Reformed-ish.